You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's Tuesday, February 9th, and it's not just any Tuesday, but it's a Tony Tuesday. We've got our man Tony Serino back on the show, and we're going to be talking up a little bit of this defensive coordinator talk because you know he's not the biggest fan of Keith Butler, but everyone's a fan of how Todd Bowles' defense handled the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. We're going to compare and contrast some notes there in how can the Steelers get to playing like that maybe in the playoffs? Then finally, we're going to get into Cordell Stewart's article in the Players' Tribune. It was a huge story that he wrote himself about his experience in Pittsburgh. I think it's very telling for looking back into that time. One, and just how quarterbacks were seen in the NFL. And two, what Pittsburgh was like back in those late 90s years. As always, you can subscribe to the Locked On Steelers podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio.com, Google Podcasts, and anywhere podcasts are hosted. Let's get into it. Everybody starting up the show here. You know what time it is. You know what day it is. It's time for our man, Tony Serino, for a Tony Tuesday. Coming back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. Tony, how you doing, my man? Been better. Been better. It's, uh, it's another year. Another year watching Tom Brady win us. I thought we were done with this. Weren't we done with yeah, this? Didn't, yeah. didn't Derrick Henry like I thought rid so us too. of this? Yeah. I mean. The Titans blew up the Death Star, and then the Empire just built it right back up. Yeah, but then the second one gets blown up, Chris. I mean, the second Death Star game, I, I haven't seen it recently, but I'm pretty sure the second <laughs> Death Star. Spoilers. And now there's three sure Death the Stars. Now there's yeah. three Death Stars. I guess. I guess yeah. so. But I maybe this so. was that Death Star. Maybe we're on the planet that gets, or the several planets that get blown up in the Force Awakens. Yeah, or whatever, I don't know. That was. Uh, yeah, you can't keep track anymore. Yeah. Anyways, point being, we're here to talk about, I only briefly mentioned the Super Bowl yesterday because I wanted to get through all the the award stuff with Watt and the Hall of Fame stuff with Fanica and Nunn because I felt like that was more Steeler-focused in specific. Yeah, This is going to be a lot more Steelers-focused, you know, talk, but we're going to reflect a little bit more on the Super Bowl. And, Tony, you have been a long-time, uh, not antagonist, but a, a person who didn't believe in... in uh, non-believer, yeah, yeah. That's a, a, there like you go, a non-believer. Like a non-believer. Of, of Keith Butler. That's right. The Steelers may still be. You never know. It may still be. May still. (laughs) Um, And and this is not to say whether you're wrong or you're right in that situation, but you just watched uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers systematically dismantle. Yeah. What was considered the best offense that we had seen ever, maybe in the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. I mean, people were saying maybe that's the greatest receiving trio of all time, the biggest three and all this other stuff. And they didn't score a single touchdown. Yeah. No, they didn't. They didn't move the ball at all. It was, it was bad. What was going through your head? Oh, not, not, not during the game, but there's a lot of reactions saying, like, why can't the Steelers do this? And right. I'm kind of like, I, I certainly had that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, there's that reaction. But then when you think about it, like, well, I think there's pretty obvious reasons why Tampa Bay was able to do what they did compared to what the Steelers are normally doing in the playoffs. Yeah. And I think number one was health, right? I mean, they they certainly yeah. were a, a more healthy defense than the Steelers were at the end of the year. Uh, the Steelers, you know, I mean, it just it was death by a thousand cuts there at, at uh, the end of the season. Um, but no, I, you know, look, I, I get I get the the sentiment right from Steeler fans, which is not not so much why can't the Steelers do this, but 
I, I kind of had the feeling of like, man, this could have been us like this. This should have been, this, this is what it felt mm-hmm. like. I, I think every Steeler fan dreamed, right. When you had like the, you know, you're dreaming about what, what it could be. If, if the Steelers match up against the chiefs, this is what you imagine, right. Which is that we're going to get to Mahomes on every play. It's going to be TJ Watt and Cam Hayward and Stefan to and Bud Dupree meet you at the quarterback, right. Mahomes is going to be under pressure all day. And the only way he's going to be able to move the ball is if he's making miracle throws. And by the way, he made some unbelievable throws last night, Chris, yeah. or uh, the other night. Um, the one where he was like basically sideways when he releases the ball and it hits the receiver. I <laughs> still face. can't believe that. that it's just like the stupidest pass of all time. And I, I yeah, I, I still can't believe it happened. And then they lost anyway. Like he makes a great pass like that. The receiver doesn't even catch it. They lose the game. Um, yeah, no, look, you know, but I think the difference here between the Bucks and the, and the Steelers, right? Number one, they, they were just healthier. I mean, they, they were just healthier. They had the benefit of having two great inside linebackers. Whereas the Steelers at the end of the year had zero, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, they, they should have had Devin Bush. Devin Bush, unfortunately, gets hurt. But remember, the Bucks paired Devin White with Levante David, yeah. who's, uh, you know, who's, again, it's even better than Devin White. So yeah. that, that defense is so loaded. And the Steelers are right there with them. I mean, the Steelers, this could be them. Um, this could have been them if they had been healthier at the end of the year. I think, I think health, for me, is the biggest factor of why the Steelers, you know, aren't the Bucks or weren't the Bucks in, in, you know, at the end of the year when it came to the defense. And that's what I'm looking at here because whenever I've seen the Steelers, de- when the defense was rocking, People are like, well, you just got you got Keith Butler the players. Like, yes, mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm. You, you got him. You, he he you can't turn bums into into diamond you know players. They can't be the best in in, in the world by themselves. Um, you know, you can you can have role players who are decent on the team and not superstars and work the and have the other guys carry the load. Yeah. But you know, but when you look at that defensive front, I mean, Shaquille Barrett. He's been he's been he's been right up there with T.J. Watt as one of the best edge rushers in the NFL. JPP, a long time uh, guy who, who's terrorized backfields, and then yeah. the in, inside is Vita Vey, a top fifteen pick, and um and and Dominican Sue. Yeah. I mean that that bad four is just as bad as the Steelers' bad, uh, uh, front four. And and again, they didn't even the Steelers didn't even have one of the, you know their second guy. I guess I guess you'd say JPP would be the equivalent of Bud Dupree in that situation. Yeah. Um. Um, and, and then, like you said, Levante, David, and Devin White. I mean, if the Steelers have Devin Bush, that's great, but you still don't got two there. Uh, and then, you know, and then, you know, I think the I think their safeties are comparable. Um, I'm not sure if Winfield is as good as Minka Fitzpatrick, but I think that he's going to be he's a star. rookie, though. He's yeah. a rookie, so he's, he's, a, he's, he's on the way. But, I mean, we, we liked him last year. Oh, we yeah. said, go oh, yeah. get him. Oh, yeah, or, well, yeah, yeah. two years ago. I forget when he was. Uh, no, this was, was rookie it was last season. year. It was last year, yeah. yeah but we, we liked him a lot. We were like, this guy could be the dude. Um, yeah. and, and he looks like the dude. And Jordan Whitehead uh, playing playing well next to him. And then you got Carlton Davis who stepped up, but you know, again, you got a whole bunch of chemistry on that defense that's there because they were healthy in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and they they hit. I mean, they look. They have they have just hit and hit and hit. And hit. It's not just first round picks. I mean, you know, they hit on base like you said, Carlton Davis. They had the 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 two corners that they picked a couple of years back: Sean Murphy, Bunting, Jamil Dean. Yeah, they they have a bunch of young corners on that team. So when we talk about you know the speed, the athleticism, I and mean, they were able to keep up with that just from the youth, right? So they, they you know they have they have Sean Murphy, Bunting, Jamil Dean. They have all these young corners, right? And we you know and so you know they're able to keep up with these with these Chiefs uh, receivers. The speed there. Um, and then, you know, I do want to give credit here to Todd Bowles because look, Todd Bowles did a great job of, of kind of going out of that, that defense's comfort zone, playing a lot of press, right? Something they hadn't done all year, uh, or certainly they hadn't done a, a lot of last uh, this season. And so, you know, I, I give credit to him too, because I think, you know, he, he understood what it was going to take to beat 
Mahomes. And so he kind of went out of his comfort zone or went out of this defense's comfort zone. And it worked out because, you know, and, and the other thing we should say, right. Cause like, I know the defense looked so dominant, but remember the chiefs were playing with, you know, one of the keys to the game was like the chiefs had four backup offensive linemen. Yeah. So that, that helped a little bit. I'm sure. I, I thought it was very interesting. You know, I saw a lot of people say, man, the Steelers could have used Stefan Wisniewski down the stretch here. And I'm like, eh, he didn't look too good in that yeah, Super Bowl. No. I, you know, you, you could have used him that time when Pouncey was out. That's about right. the only time, right? Because otherwise, yeah. Dotson, Dotson was the dude. Yeah. I mean, Do- Dotson is going to be a future starter on the Steelers. No problem there, you know. And then there's a weird thing. People saying, like, you have to have your, you know, this is why you have to have your offensive line straight. It's like the, the Chiefs had four. In, what what yeah. team in the National Football League is going to field, you know, their four backups on the offensive line and be just fine? No one. Right. I mean, right. This is not how the NFL is right now. If for and another thing for me, this is one thing I've advocated for years. They need to expand the amount of people that you can have on an active roster. I, I It should be up to like 60 or so, because I really think that you should give a team, you know, two injuries can decimate an offensive line. Right. And every year you're gambling like, OK, we're investing in our offensive line backups, but we got to skimp on defensive backs. And if right. you have two defensive backs, because if you do that and your guys get hurt, then then you're just in, you know, up, you're in a whole bunch of trouble. And I just I've always felt that if you're really about player safety, you'll give teams more roster spots so that they can protect their players better. But that's a whole nother debate. The point being. To me, the, the, the things that, that the Buccaneers were able to do is because they yes, they did have the system. Um, but they got after the quarterback yep, and they had the athletes behind them that were healthy enough to maintain that. And I think the other thing to talk about here that many people won't want to talk about is that Tom Brady never put the Buccaneers in a hard spot. You know, he didn't have a turnover. Um, well, well, he should have, he, he should have that, that. That's a whole other story, but <laughs> um, he, he was, he got the team a lead. And yeah, he would yeah. he he kept he kept it going, and then he scored at the end of the half. Granted, all the flags, you know, the questions there, but yeah, um, no, it's it's a great point, Chris, and it and it's the one thing that frustrated me the most about the offense this season. Really has been, you know, with the offense recently. There's so there's the slow starts. Like yeah. if you have a great defense and you and you get out to a fast start offensively, and you put the other team behind right away, and you have this great defense. I mean, that is a recipe for winning, and that's what we saw. That's why the Chiefs had such a hard time coming back because it's a great defense, and they're playing from a behind the entire game. The Steelers this season in the first quarter scored 42 points yeah. total yeah. in the whole first in the first quarter all year. That just that's one thing we talk about the offense. I'm hoping Matt Canada can can solve and figure out um, because the first quarter scoring has to be better. In, in next uh, 2021 agreed and, and and i think doing that will help this steelers defense you know you know be in a lot more winnable situations because again you know if if the chiefs say that say say the buccaneers had three or four turnovers to start the game and the chiefs eventually their offense might have cracked it and gotten their their scoring going and then for the rest of the game because one thing i thought the chiefs did offensively that was limiting because they knew the pass rush was coming there were a lot more short passes like hey yeah. get it to tyree cal the flat get it to this guy in the flat let's work these quick these quick options and it made it easier to stop because they said hey let's be aggressive on those let's take those away yeah. um and the steelers you know people talk about well the defense has been garbage the last two playoff games yes because the other team has said we're just going to run the ball because we've got a lead because the other team's handing us the ball so much and we're not scared of we're not scared to have to force it, our guy to stand back in the pocket in a, you know on a five or seven step drop and hold the ball for 4 seconds before he finds some guy down the field right. the Patrick Mahomes had to do that because the Buccaneers developed a lead and they were able to play to that strength and i think that's such a huge part of what went into that defensive performance on top of the fact that they played great. 
Yeah, I mean, look, you can only ask, you can look, this defense, we've seen this defense win some games that they, this team should have never won, right? You look yeah. back at that Rams game last year, they mm. never should have won that game yeah. with how the offense played, right? There's so many of those that you can point to over the years. But we what we haven't seen is this team just jump out to a big lead and then the, and then the defense is, you know, it's a laugher for the rest of the game. Um, and that's really what happened. I mean, that's really what happened in this game. I know, you know, you always feel like, well, you know, the Chiefs can always come back, but the Chiefs were always playing from behind in this yep. one. It's something we just haven't seen the Steelers be able to do is play from that lead. Agreed. Such a huge point there. I'm sure we'll be talking a lot more about the defense all offseason long. We have 200 and I think 15 days until football. Ugh, that stinks. Mm. So we're going to, but we're going to keep a lot of soccer to watch, Chris. <sighs> I got the NBA. Listen, I'm covering college basketball. What you talking about? That's true. That's true. Uh, but um, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, there was a huge article that debuted last week from the Players' Tribune. Our guy Cordell Stewart. Slash. I didn't talk about it because I wanted to wait until Tony was here to talk about it because Cordell's Tony's guy. We'll get into that at, right after this. Football season may be done, but you can still get on the action with BetOnline.ag. Sign up today for your free account on BetOnline.ag, and you'll get a 50% bonus if you just enter the promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On, and you'll get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. And, yeah, sure, football's done, but there's still college basketball. There's still the NBA. There's still the NHL. Lots of chances for you to get on the action and make yourself some money during this winter. And remember, when you sign up for betonline.ag, it's a free account. And any money you put in with your first deposit, you can get a 50% bonus on simply by adding the promo code LOCKEDON. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON. All capital letters and all one word. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. And I'm here with Tony Serino. And Tony... I, I want you to explain to people how much of a fan of Cordell Stewart you are, because I was shocked when you told me this and then the yeah. depth of your fandom just really impressed me. Well, listen, you know, when I was a kid, Cordell Stewart was my favorite. I think I've told the story before, but it was 19, whenever, whenever he threw the Hail Mary against Colorado, I was, my grandfather and I used to watch college football together. I saw that play. I immediately was like, I love this Cordell Stewart player. The Steelers need to take him. And that next year was, you know, I was telling my uncle, who was a huge Steeler fan, like, we got to take, we got to take Cordell Stewart. We got to take Cordell Stewart. And then they did. And immediately, I mean, I, I just, I fell in love. I was like, you know, at, the, at that point, I think I was like nine or 10. From that point, he was my favorite player. The, the, you know, how dynamic he was as a player, you know, as a, as a kid, right? You always, you like the player that's, um, you know, that's, that's exciting on every play. Anything can happen on any play. And so the fact that he came into the league, not just as a quarterback, but as slash, you know, the running back wide receiver, tight end, quarterback, you know, every, he could be anything. And then he evolved his way into a quarterback, took this team to an AFC title game. Um, yeah. I mean, listen, I had his Jersey. My, you know, my, my username online was, was Cordell. Uh, that was, you know, that's what I went by in, in middle school. I mean, that was, I, I loved, I loved, loved Cordell Stewart. So that being said, um, I was also a big fan of Cordell Stewart growing up as a black kid growing up in Pittsburgh. When you see the quarterback being a black quarterback, making plays, Getting on NFL Blitz 97, yeah. still one of the greatest covers of all time of video game, of football and a great game. game. And, and just a great game. And, and, and a great game. When you see all those things and you're just like, man, that's so cool. Um, I, I had a very a very big appreciation. And he was so much so exciting to watch. He, he launched the ball deep. He ran all over the place, had all these factors to him. But 
Tony, it may be different for you because you weren't in Pittsburgh. I was not. But I saw so much vitriol go against Cordell Stewart for years. Just even when he played well, people call him stupid. People call him dumb. People saying he can't play, he can't play quarterback. He needs to go back to being slash. And there were a lot of things that happened because of that. Now, we're saying this, we're bringing up Cordell because he was in the Players' Tribune, um, which is a, a great website where you can go and read uh, accounts and stories from past and current athletes. Uh, first-hand accounts, yeah, first-hand, written for, by the – yeah, Right, yeah, written, written by, by the them. Yeah. Uh, completely yeah, correct. Uh, and that's, that's what makes these so special is that, you know, they, they're the ones telling their own stories. Um, and Cordell Stewart's article, which I suggest you go check out, uh, it's called, You Know What I Heard About Cord- Cordell Stewart? And uh, it's, it starts off talking about a huge rumor that would taint Cordell Stewart's career with the Steelers for the rest of its duration, um, uh, and unfairly so. Because in 90, like, like, like Tony said, in 97, he becomes the, uh, the, the full-time Steelers starting quarterback. Uh, he takes them to the AFC Championship game. They eventually lose to uh, John Elway and the Denver Broncos um, and uh, with, with Terrell Davis in them. Um, and then in 1998, the Steelers are 5-3, and three, looking really good, and everything looks like you know, it's, on, it's, on their, it's on the right path. And then just disaster strikes. A rumor comes up, and the whole point of this article, as again, next you go read it, is that no one ever found where this rumor came from. But a rumor circulates around Pittsburgh and sports media and radio talk um, that there Cordell was in the was in a park in Pittsburgh having sexual relations with another man, and that it was found out. And it was it was written about, it was talked about on radio, it was spread everywhere. The Steelers tried to lock it, find it. The you know Cordell tried to find it. You know everyone tried to find where did this source come from. But every time they got to a person who said that they they were the person that heard about it first, they were like, I heard it from a local cop, a local cop, not a name, not a badge number, nothing, not even a, a, a precinct. Um, and so that rumor just floats above his head. Well, after the rumor starts circulating, then you have the Thanksgiving Day uh, Jerome Bettis. Uh, coin flip debacle and they lose yeah. that game and then they go on like a six game losing streak and their, their season completely falls apart um maybe not six games well, it might have been six it was, games, no it was a lot it was it was they lost like every game from that point they ended up finishing the year like six and ten didn't they well, they, they finished seven and nine and seven and nine okay but but still okay. i mean going from five and three to seven and nine that's a collapse you know people yeah. talk about oh you collapsed because you went from 11 and 0 to 12 and 4 that's a collapse you know that that's a you were in position to make the playoffs and then you were a had a losing record um and uh that's that it, it, that that you know carried over and then the next year when he came in he he, he didn't have the best year in 1999 he was really rough um he, he ends up getting benched for mike tom's act but you know i think the, the main thing about this article that was very interesting was how cordell was just like hey i was just trying to do what i thought was best for my career and dealing with this stuff just seemed all just re- so ridiculously unfair at every turn yeah, and, and how and how he tried to fight it, and it, it just didn't matter. Like it didn't, you know, yeah. he, the, the the whole like the, the whole portion of the article where you know he's like, I can't believe I'm ha- I have to talk to Mr. Rooney about this, right? And like I'm actually gonna walk into the owner and we're gonna talk about about this. And then like his conversation with Cower, where Cower says, Hey, you should maybe you should address the team. Like maybe you should. And I, he's like, What am I gonna do? Am I stand in front of the team and talk about this? Like, are we being serious right now? And he he draws the picture. Like, imagine today. Like if there were, cause this is pre social media, right? This is pre any, any of our, our modern technology. So, but, but imagine like if there's a Twitter rumor going around and it's like, Oh, oh Hey, you know, like, 
you know, you need to, you need to address this to your team, right? It's just, it's so ridiculous. But that's what he did. I mean, he talks about it. He mm-hmm. talks about how he did address this to the team, and that and he didn't he thinks, want to, right? But he, he felt like he had to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, and you know, and then, and then things, I guess, you know, spiral from there. Certain teammates, you know, feeling diff- a different way about him. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can look at that point. I mean, it is interesting now to read this because again, like you said, I was outside of Pittsburgh, so I remember these rumors, but I don't remember when they started or or like you know where I heard them from. I remember reading them on like a message board back in the day. Um, but it is interesting to draw that, you know, in 1998, because you're right, that, that season was kind of a tale of two seasons. You know, he, he had a terrible end of the year. There was the part where, was that the year that he broke down crying on the sideline? Cause boy, does this, does this bring new context to that whole situation as well? Um, I think it was, uh, I think it was. Cause that was also the year that he got uh, a fan dumped a beer on his head. Um, oh, yeah. and that was, and that was a huge thing. Um, and, and he talks about that in the article, like, man, I was, I was the, the golden boy of Pittsburgh. I was, I was loved when I was slash. And then as soon as I became a black quarterback, it, 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 that, that changed around. And I'll agree with that assessment from his part. And, and I was just a kid. I wasn't reading every column every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember watching TV, listening to radio and hearing just person after person, whether it was media or fans calling into shows saying this guy isn't a real quarterback, get him out of there. I mean, in 2000, when he starts to have his resurgence after 98 and 99, the Steelers bench him for Kent Graham. Kent Graham is the most useless quarterback in the history of Steelers quarterbacks. And I say that I know that Tony loves him some Devlin Hodges. I would take Devlin Hodges and y'all know how I feel about duck over Kent Graham. That's how is uncalled for, but okay. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's uncalled for, but I'll allow it. But, but that's how bad Kent Graham. Kent Graham was like, was like uh, the dude, Michael Jordan's friend in space jam that comes with him when he, when he's like, Hey, what, what do you bring to the team? He's like, I'm not just fat, but I'm slow. Like he, yeah. he, oh, he Ken Graham was like cement shoes. I mean, my goodness, he could yeah. not move. He was with this. He was one for the most mobile quarterback in the league in Cordell Stewart to the least mobile quarterback. Ken Graham was just a statue in the backfield. In, in 12 games that he played in for the Steelers, he scored one. He threw one touchdown. Ken Graham played in 12 games, but he well, only started like two, right? He started five, five. Okay. I, I, but, I don't remember. I remember the Ken Graham experiment ending pretty quickly. Well, it, they kept trying to bring him back because it like it started. He, he, it, it was it started as an experiment. Then he stunk, and they were like, "Let's bring quarterback." And they're like, "No, let's give Ken Graham another shot." And I remember debates in the city of Pittsburgh, like like uh, maybe we got to give Ken Graham a shot. I'm like, "No, what makes you think that this man who can only throw, who threw one touchdown, one touchdown in the history of his playing with the Steelers, was at least Cordell Stewart would run would run the ball, and at least he could get you yards on the ground." And that that was how how I felt. Cordell was just always so attacked in his time with the Steelers and how, and, and just every, and, and he talks about these, like every little thing that could have popped up, whether it was this rumor or that rumor, even small things that he's like, it's tough to even say that that was, that was a big deal now, but back in the time when you're dealing with the rumor that you're, that you had, that, that you're gay and in the park and those yeah. things. And Cordell said at the time, he's like, you have to remember this is the nineties where if you're a football player and you're gay, it's a problem. Right. And, and he said he even feels ashamed because that was part. He also bought into that at the time and he feels completely different about it now, but it's like, you have that rumor and then people calling for your head every day. And then people dumping a beer on your head. And if people saying you can't be a quarterback, you're not smart enough to be a quarterback, all those things. It was just every turn. He felt another obstacle and, you know, and he ends up leaving Pittsburgh in what, 2003. Um, 2002 was his last year. Yeah. 2002. Yeah. So 2002 was his last year. I mean, 
he got them to two AFC championship games. And again, when you look at, uh, we're going to take a break here. When you look at his numbers, they weren't all that horrible when he was actually allowed to just run the ball and be himself. I know you got something to say here about the stats. Yeah. I want yeah. to take a quick break for commercials and then we'll come back and keep talking about this topic. Uh, but first, before we do that, uh, we got to talk to our friends at rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers why spend up to twice as much for the same parts go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on that's l-o-c-k-e-d locked on in there how did you hear about us section so that they can know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need visit rockauto.com today Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host Chris Carter here with Tony Serino. So, Tony, I was going in about the stats about Cordell Stewart. Mm-hmm. What was his stat line in 1997? 1997, Cordell Stewart at quarterback was he threw 53 percent completion percentage. Uh, he had 21 touchdowns, 17 interceptions, threw for just 3,000 yards, which by today's standards would be, I believe, the worst quarterback in the National Football League. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my, you know, reading these stats is crazy, but then you go to that, if you contextualize it, right. When you, when you look at him in, in the context of where the NFL was back in 1997, and we would look in 2020, we had every quarterback, but three through for 60% completion percent, at least 60% completion percentage, every quarterback in the national football league, save for three. Okay. In 1997, only five quarterbacks threw for over 60% completion percentage it's it's a it's a crazy game so you can look back at these stats now and i'm sure people will look at this and go oh he was terrible look at these numbers 21 and 17 21 and 17 touchdown interception wasn't that bad you go back and look at like what brett Favre was doing at the time troy aikman dan yeah. marino i mean they're very similar numbers i mean to, to to compare what did he say so that year his 21 passing touchdowns was the sixth most in the nfl players who threw less touchdown passes troy aikman steve young mark brunel Dan Marino, Dan Marino. Yeah. Um, and, and again, they didn't, they weren't cut short on their seasons. These are guys who played entire seasons of football. Um, Vinny Testaverde. And then there's like, you know, other guys like, you know, like, like Neil O'Donnell and Jake Plummer and other guys, but, but those are hall of fame quarterbacks. Those are top of the line, super yeah. dudes. And he threw for more touchdowns for them. And on top of that, you got to remember his rushing touch. He ran for 11 touchdowns that year. That's 32 touchdowns from your quarterback. Yeah. How many, how many yards did he run for too? He I, ran I, for, counting, for running. Uh, 476. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Yeah. Um, and, and, and funny enough, the, again, I, you look at the years that he had the most success in, in 97, 2000 and 2001, he was allowed to run the ball yeah. in, in, in 99, not as much 98, a little bit, but he only had two rushing touchdowns. Uh, but in 2000, 2001, he had 2000, in 2000, he had 436 yards on 78 rushes for seven touchdowns in 2001. He had 96 rushes for 537 yards and five touchdowns. Um, 
They really yeah. you, you had six attempts a game, yeah. In, in two thousand and one, they like it's it, it's funny to look back now, right? Or not funny, but like it's it's interesting now. If you read the article and then you think about the redemption story that is Cordell Stewart, knowing what he went through in ninety eight, the fact that he was benched, right? The fact that he was in a quarterback battle with freaking Ken Graham of all people, yeah. And then he comes back in two thousand and one, takes back over the starting the role, starts all sixteen games, and leads that team to the AFC title game it really is an incredible redemption story. If you think about it that way. And, and, and not that I want to keep harping on the cat grab stuff, but to display how, how different, how much, how big of a difference there was from these guys. One of my favorite games ever, Tony, one of my favorite Steelers games that I ever watched was uh, it was the last, it was 2000 and it, it was the last Raiders game against the Steelers at, at three river stadium. Mm-hmm. And during this game, Cordell Stewart comes in, first drive, boom, 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 leads it down the field, touchdown. And, they, and they look, he's like, it's on fire. And mind you, this is the Rich Gannon Raiders. This, these are these are the, they. If they win this game, they're the number one seed. She was checking out, and she just heard over the radio that good old fashioned great comeback win. They win and um, and beat and upset the Raiders. One of my favorite ever games I remember watching as a kid. And that, and it was just like when, when Kent Graham was in, there was no hope when Cordell was in. Even if he was playing not the best, you still had hope. And that was the guy that they were that people were trying to replace him with here. And again, I always felt the biggest thing about Cordell was that he was being limited too much. You know, um, you know, they he, he, didn't let he, him run the ball. Was- yeah, could you imagine if he if like if RPO existed oh, back oh. in like if, if that if, if what we think about offense today and how we think about using quarterbacks today, not just as you know traditional pocket passes, right? But in the modern game of the the mobile quarterback, could you imagine what he would have done in a system like that, especially at the time? My goodness, it would have revolutionized it, it, the game. The the RPO would have been broken. Like like someone would have said we they would there might have been rules made to stop it from happening yeah. because because here's the thing is that like like Lamar Jackson he's faster and 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 more electric I think with his footwork than Cordell is in space but Cordell was a tank like like he right I saw that dude run over Ray Lewis once like like that that's how strong he was um he's a big dude yeah yeah and it was interesting you know for the time right I mean look you look at what Lamar is able to do now right and I think Lamar is probably the most electric player with the ball in his hands of any player in the National yeah. Football League but I would probably say the same thing about Cordell in in 1997 or, or 2001 right and you just want you think about the way that lamar is used today and why he was able to be an mvp because of the system that that john harbaugh and the ravens put around him and boy if you know and obviously look the game changed so much in, in 20 years but boy if, if he was in a similar system in 97 i think he could i think you know we could be we there is a version of this where cordell could have been in the mvp conversation that year if he was used differently Right. And, and that's that's part of the unfairness to Cordell Stewart is just, you know, and, and not unfairness, just reality is that he came he was ahead of his time. Um, yeah. And funny enough, just a, a year after he leaves the Steelers, guess who pops on the scene? But Michael Vick. And then everyone's like, oh, snap, we can use running quarterbacks again. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's always interesting. But what I wanted to talk to you more about, Tony, with with this article, I just what hit me was just a reminder of how how much Cordell went through just being trying to be himself just trying to make the play and be the quarterback and whenever he made a mistake it was always his fault it was it was always about him and and people were dogging him left and right and then you know and 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 as soon as he left it was Tommy Maddox and Tommy Maddox came in and and everyone thought Tommy Maddox was the stuff and 
Uh, I, as a kid, I was like, the only reason this dude's succeeding is because no one's blitzing him. Everyone's playing their defense. They play for Cordell Stewart. Mm-hmm. And as soon as people realized, oh, Tommy Maddox is a is a statue, it was it, it was a wrap. And that's why the Steelers went six and ten in their first year without Cordell Stewart. Yeah, you know, and, and you, you talk about like Cordell wanting to be himself and all of that. And then the, you know, the end of the article, he he talks about that, right? He talks about how yeah. he's at he's at the Hall of Fame ceremony. He's told, hey, you know, if you had just stuck to wide receiver, you could you could be being inducted. And he's like, no, I I'm I wanted to be a quarterback. Like I'm not going to give in to the idea that a black player in the National Football League cannot be a quarterback. Right? That a, that a player with my athleticism cannot be a quarterback. That I have that I I have to be a wide receiver and all that. You know, like we talked about, right? It's not it's the idea like it's not the idea that like oh Cordell would have been a better wide receiver than quarterback. M- maybe that would have been true. Right? Maybe not. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Right. But but if they had if if the coaches at the time had known how to use Cordell Stewart at quarterback, right? The way that we know now how you can use a quarterback to be more mobile, right? You know what what career could he have had? And I'm, you know, and I, and like I said, I think there is a, a, a redemption arc here for Cordell, right? Because you talk, you think about his, his, you know, the way that he ended and it didn't end great for him in Pittsburgh because, you know, he ends up getting shipped off to, to, to Chicago. But yeah. The fact that he was able to go through this, right? Be on top of the world in 1997, playing against John Elway, right? And then like, it just looks like it's over. I mean, he's, he's trading starts with Mike Tomczak. He's, you know, he's benched for Ken Graham, but then he ends up coming back and playing in all 16 games and leading that team back into the AFC championship game. I, I for me, again, it, it recontextualized his entire career and the redemption arc that is Cordell Stewart. I agree. Um, and, and it's one, it's one of those fascinating stories that I think it's overlooked in Steelers history. Uh, and, and, and really that that's one of the beautiful things about football is there's so many great stories that we don't talk about. Um, Cause there's just so many great stories, period. Yeah. Um, but but you're right. I mean, it, it, again, the like 97, he was on top of the mountain, 98, 99. He looked like he was on the way out. 2000, uh, you know, I was there sitting there like he's figuring it out. In 2001, I mean, the Steelers were unstoppable. The only thing that stopped them was Bill Belichick's Patriots and having a, a punt. I think it was a, a, a punt block return for a punt return for a touchdown and a field goal block return for a touchdown. And they yes. lost that game by four points. Um, and yeah. again, that wasn't even Tom Brady. That was Drew Bledsoe. Um, right. right. Yeah, Brady, be- I think, only played for half the game. And maybe not even. And then Bledsoe finished with 100 passing yards. Like, he, he wasn't that good in that game either. It was just that they had a lot of crazy stuff happen against them in that game. Yeah. Um, and I always thought, we're like, man, what would that have defense? Because that defense had, had Joey Porter, Jason Gildon, LeVon Kirkland. Uh, they, they, was, they was nasty. And Ernie, that, was that Ernie Holmes? Or was that too early for Ernie Holmes? Uh, Earl Holmes, but yes. Earl Holmes. No, right. no, that was, that was Earl Holmes' last season. In fact, okay. him being hurt. He missed the AFC championship game that year. And I remember being like, man, if they could have had him, it would have been that. Cause that was also, Oh no, I'm wrong. That wasn't Le- LeVon Kirk. That was Kendrell bell. I yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kendrell. Yeah. Kendrell was right around then. Yeah. 2001, 2002. He was 2001. And that's when, cause 2001 was his rookie season. And he was looking like he was going to be the man of the NFL. And then he fell off a cliff. Um, yeah. but, uh, was that also the year that Bettis had the weird, like had like the hamstring or whatever, the yep. groin injury, and they yep. they screwed up the shot. Mm-hmm. They 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 messed up the shot right before the AFC Championship game, and they tried to play him. And, and honestly, one another one of my criticisms, they should have just played Amy Zaraway because he did well against the Ravens the week before. Yeah, Zaraway and Fumatu Mafala, man, they were the one-two punch. They they were, and that Mike Mularkey offense was just so fun to watch because you had you had Heinz Ward, and they would call fake plays where you thought. Cordell was getting the ball, then he wasn't getting the ball, and then he was down the field like that. I, I miss those days. <laughs> those, I do. I do. It, it, it's it's <laughs> one of my favorite. It's one that's one of my favorite Steelers teams of all time. That 2001 team, like what you know, and like you said, what could have been, you know, if if they, you know, if, I, I, I would have I would have loved to see turf. them play the the greatest show on turf Rams that year. That would have been mm-hmm. so much fun. But but again, 
when, when you read this article, we suggest you go read. It. I want to know your thoughts on it. And and I, I I haven't seen too many discussions on it in the Locked On Steelers Facebook group. So please join the Locked On Steelers Facebook group. If you're not there, uh, you can join that by searching Locked On Steelers, ask to join the group, and then I'll just you as possible. Or you could just, if you're in the group, just talk about it. But, you know, if you're a Steelers fan who remembers Cordell Stewart, what do you remember him for? Do you remember him as a, as a good player? Do you remember him as a bad player? Do you remember wanting more from him? Do you remember thinking like, man, I, I loved watching him too. You know, just, I, I, I find those discussions very interesting because, and Cordell's point in this was, at the time, I was not accepted because I was a black quarterback in, 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 in this city. And, mm-hmm. and he was right. There were a lot of people at Heinz, at, at Heinz Field when it converted over to Heinz Field who didn't who didn't you know who booed him incessantly and he said you know the person that dumped a beer on him called him the n-word um and it, and it, it as a kid it was pretty obvious who was who it was when i just remember seeing the vitriol and just being like man there's a lot of hatred for that guy um and i just it, it's always fascinating to me because uh and then you look at now you know that when that article came out i saw the rosiest tweeting of Cordell Stewart's time in Pittsburgh. Everyone's like, oh, I loved Cordell. And I mean, he got a bad rep in Pittsburgh. And I'm like, now wait just a minute. Where was all this love for him back when he was playing for the Steelers? Because all I heard was how they need to get rid of him, get Tommy Maddox, get this guy, get that guy, all these yeah. other things. And um, it's just, it's fascinating how, how when we get distant from a player who was receiving so much flack, that's when we start to romanticize and say, oh yeah, we all loved him. Like people, right. the same way how people say about Muhammad Ali or even like, you know, major American history figures like Dr. King, who was at one point the most hated man of America. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and you know, and the other thing is like, you know, he had that, he had, he had a coach in Bill Cowher who looked, you know, the, throughout, throughout Cowher's, Cowher's entire career just did not stick with a single quarterback. Right? I mean, you know, you go back yeah. to like, you know, the Jim, the whole Jim Miller, you know, he won the quarterback battle type deal, right? It was just a, a rotating door of quarterbacks all the way through until he had Ben. Right. And he rotated through quarterbacks. That was insane. Um, and and a, a, another key point that people often forget, Bill wasn't going to pick Ben. The Roonies forced his hand. He was going to take Sean Andrews or some some guard with the 11th pick in, in the NFL draft. The Steelers would never have gotten Ben Roethlisberger yeah. if the Roonies hadn't stepped in. It's just he was weird about it. Who was the running back that year that everybody wanted? The kid from Oregon State. He played for the Rams. What's his name? Oh, I forget. I know. I know who you're talking about. Steven Jackson. Steven Jackson. Wow, that was Steven Jackson. Steven Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of Steelers fans oh, won Steven Jackson that year. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, he was a heck of a running back. He wasn't was a Hall good. of Famer. Um, yeah. He was no he was no Ben. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, you know, one thing we're going to do uh, on this show, and thank you for still listening, by the way. I asked you guys about a topic bag idea where i'm gonna have any topics in here that we just include into the show and and i got a lot of people that said we'd love to do this and it could be any topics ranging from any to any other sex subjects but then i I got a lot of people saying hey i come here for the locked on steelers podcast not the locked on steelers and occasionally pop culture podcast so i I hear those people out but i also hear out people that want the topic back so we're going to do some new topics during this off season to spice up things to get some topics but one idea that i know i will be doing is a, a what if version because you know the what if show for the disney plus is going to come out for the mcu saying like what if this happened that and changed the course of 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 the mcu we're going to do the same thing for the steelers i want you guys to pick and i'm going to get set up a whole email account where you guys can send these things to and i'll review them and pick them for the show um but i want to get like what if versions like if the steelers make this decision where does the franchise go from here because like one of the things that if I have a hot take, by the way, 
we'll get to that sec. Like, okay. like one thing that I, I I sometimes think about is what if the Steelers didn't pick Ben Roethlisberger in 2004? They picked someone else, and then in 2005 they're at the front of the draft again and they get Aaron Rodgers. Is their future right. any different? If, if Aaron Rodgers becomes their quarterback, it's like s- silly stuff like that. But Tony, you are hot take, Tony. I am. What's your hot All right, take? I'm going to tell you why. Can I tell you why Troy Edwards is the best pick in Steeler history? Because if they didn't pick Troy Edwards, they likely would have taken Chad Pennington, right? That was Chad Pennington year. Mm, and so, Chad. yeah, Chad Pennington would have been the Steelers quarterback. And by the way, Coward would have stuck with him. There's no way they draft Ben in 2004. There's no way they even draft Aaron Rodgers in 2005. Chad Pennington would have been the quarterback for the Steelers for like 10 years, right? We're talking about looking, you know, th- those 10 years of, of Ben. They're talking about two Super Bowls that, that they won in 2005, 2008, not happening because the Steelers. I mean, maybe, I uh, know, Chad Pennington wasn't winning a, a, a Super Bowl with the Steelers. So that's, so the fact that, you know, Troy, we look back at Troy Edwards and we say, oh, you know, Troy Edwards, terrible pick, terrible pick, should have taken Chad Pennington. No, 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 no. It's fine because we ended up with Ben later and that worked out just fine. <laughs> My goodness, Troy Edwards. And, and also I, I think it's, it's kind of crazy when you look back at that. Yeah. That was one of the higher picks the Steelers had uh, over the years. You know, Ben was an 11th overall pick. Troy Edwards was 13th overall. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I, I, you know, but here to counter your, your argument here, what if, if they didn't pick Troy Edwards, they would have picked Chad Pennington. Um, wait a second. Where was Chad Pennington picked? Oh, was that the Plaxico Burris here? Am I wrong on this? All right, cut the segment. Cut the segment. It's probably the Plaxico <laughs> Burris here. I was looking at this. I think, I don't think Tony's right it's, here, man. It's so the, Plaxico, it's the Plaxico, Plaxico was a good quarterback, a good, a good wide receiver. Well, that was just a good pick. Just a good pick, and they avoided Chad Pennington. My, my hot take is over. That was the cold, freezing cold take. You freezing cold take. It's a freezing cold take. <laughs> but so if, if – and to, the guys they could have chosen over Troy Edwards, Javon Kirsch, the freak. Ooh. Damian Woody, the center for the New England Patriots, who's always on ESPN these days. Antoine Winfield, cornerback. The original, not his kid who played who played in the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy who birthed the kid who was throwing up the deuce assigned to uh to Tyreek Hill, which I thought was hilarious. And I was like, ooh, that's just that's spicy. That, that's <laughs> tough right there. Um Dre Bly could have been a pick, although these are second round guys now, so not as much. Um Peerless Price. So there weren't like there were like a whole bunch of guys out here that were like amazing that they could have picked him right after that. Yeah. But still, Javon Kurser, Damian Woody, that would have that would have probably helped the Steelers case a lot more than Troy Edwards. Oh, that yeah, how can I forget this? Because remember, this is the story of, of when Cower and, and the GM fought. What was his name? Tom Donahoe or whatever his name yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, Donahoe. And, and it was it, Cower was like it's it's him or me or something like that. Right, yeah, yeah. Because he wanted Curse and Donahoe wanted wanted uh Troy Edwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. It's him oh, or me. That's mm-hmm. when Cower was right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um but uh, right, but so but again, Chad, oh, okay. So Chad Pennington was Plaxico Burris here. All right, I was wrong on that one. All right, you're fine. You're fine. Because I was looking, I'm like, I don't see Chad Pennington in here, man. <laughs> um, but uh, but 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 more to your point, just that era of Steelers and what could have been. Um, there's a lot of what if fun things, like you know, what if they they don't pick Troy Edwards? What if they? What and, and, you know, one of the other things that comes up because uh, I think it was 2000, um, maybe it was 2001 when they picked Casey Hampton. One of the things that some people criticize now is like if you imagine, and everyone loves Big Snack. No one's no one's saying it's bad that they picked Big Snack because he was a huge part of that defense. Mm-hmm. But imagine if they had picked Drew Brees with that. Man. Yeah, I know. Like where where would the franchise have gone for them? Because then you're talking about him coming in. You know, if you feel more comfortable with him than Cordell Stewart, then Drew Brees as a leader and a captain and a quarterback throughout those two thousands. I mean, 
whew, that's a lot of different stuff. But again, that's where we're going to go with the what if topic. So um, I'm going to set up an email. I'm going to make a whole post about it in the Facebook group that, that you guys can find the, the link for the email and then send me and then send me your topic ideas. And it'll be something we do on occasion, not like every day, but something we add to the lineup. And there'll be more topics coming your way to get things going. But uh, but Tony, my man, I really appreciate you doing this show with me. We're not done talking about this Cordell Stewart topic i'm dean told me he texted me the day the article came out he's like we're talking about this in the show so i'm like okay you know y'all know dean he's the old head of the show so um he's gonna he's gonna want to talk about it too but um i wanted to talk about my man tony because both of us grew up in the cordell stewart era Mm -hmm. and just seeing the athletic brilliance but you know never seeing the full maturity of what that team could have been it, it hits you in a lot of ways and then to see the insight from cordell as to how crazy some of the obstacles that he had to go through and the the distractions that came up. Yeah. And, and I'll finish with this. I thought he made an excellent point. He said a lot of people out there blame Twitter and Facebook for the problems of the crazy things that are said and the malicious things that are said and done against people on social media. And his point in the article was like, that was just, that's people, that's, that's people. They were doing, this was bef- all the things that happened to me that happened before Twitter that yeah. happened before social media. So it's not that social media has given has has done anything. It's just made it so that we can now document who is saying these things, yeah. who are saying these things. Yeah, it's amplified a little bit too. Um, but thanks again, Tony, for coming on the show. Um, please let people know they can find you, follow you, and get more of your work. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeler Country. Uh, you can find me on YouTube. AFC North Talk is a roundtable show all about the AFC North. I represent the Pittsburgh Steelers on that show. We're taking the month of March off. We'll be, or excuse me, the month of February off. We'll be back in March. Uh, you can also find me on YouTube by searching Steeler Country with my new podcast there. Chris was on episode Yay. number one. It went up yesterday. So you can find that both on YouTube and wherever you find podcasts. And of course, you can always find me here on Tony Tuesdays here on Locked On Steelers. Absolutely. We got my man, Tony Serino. Always here for the Tuesdays. We've got Dean I and Pietro tomorrow from Channel 11. He's got a lot to talk to you about. And uh, Dean's had a rough go, Tony, because uh, in the in the conference championship round, he, he went and bought a cheese head and then dove on top of a, of a burning table to try and root for both the Packers and the Bills. They lost. He was mm. rooting for the Chiefs. They lost. It's just – it's been a rough time. And, I, was, I mean, that's sharing with Steeler Nation a lot there. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk to him about that and, of course, the Cordell piece and a few other things. Um, with with that moving forward but thanks again for listening to the locked on Steelers podcast my name is Chris Carter you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter critiques if you follow me I will follow you back Um, and if you want to support the show subscribe to us we're on Apple Spotify uh, Stitcher we're on Google Podcasts as well as radio.com now Um, and if you want to support the show even further leave us a five-star review with a positive comment on our Apple podcast feed when you do that it really helps the show and gets the word out there about what we're doing also when you do that you will get a shout out on the show with your positive comment um, because we appreciate those who do that. Thanks again for listening. Be back in your ears tomorrow with D9 and Pietro.